Bibles, if you would, and turn to Genesis chapter 42. Brother Blake survived his first inspiration. And uh, you did make it easy on him, so thank you for that. And, um, and Andrew, uh, as we were singing that Christmas song, um, my wife was telling me this week that uh, Hobby Lobby is already starting to uh, have Christmas decorations on the shelves. That is, wow. Christmas in July, you know. We just got done with Christmas, didn't we? Uh, no, it does seem like a lifetime ago when we were in Christmas, but Genesis 42, and uh, we're going to read just the first two verses here, and uh, we'll actually kind of go through the whole chapter. Uh, I know that that sounds like it's going to be a long, long time. Uh, we're I'm basically going to be just doing that and making a few comments as we go along, but uh, Genesis 42, verse 1 says, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither, and buy it buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. Uh, Lord, thank you for the good time of fellowship we've had already uh, this evening, and we do look forward to uh, more afterwards. Um, but Lord, I pray that now as we get into your word that uh, you might um, open our hearts and uh, help us to have understanding minds and hearts as we go through this uh, particular part of uh, Joseph's life. Help us, Lord, to apply the truth to our own lives, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Uh, last time, uh, we talked about... Uh, Last Sunday, when we uh, were in Genesis chapter uh, number 41, when we, uh, we looked at when Joseph went from prison to palace in a matter of a few hours, if you recall that. He went from rags to robes of great value and given a rank of second in command. And in uh, chapter 1, verse number 46, the dreams of Pharaoh were starting to come true. Uh, Joseph was 30 years old in verse 30, or 46 of chapter 1. When he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, and he laid up the same. And uh, verse number 49, Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And uh, during that time, verse 50 uh, tells us that he had two sons, Manasseh and uh, Ephraim in verses 40, 51 and 52. Well then, um, uh, during these seven years, um, were very effective. He was diligent. He was uh, very productive. Then in verse 53, the next seven years begin. Uh, and the seven years of plentiness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. The seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread, because he was diligent. Um, and then verse 55, And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto, the, unto all the Egyptians, Go talk to Joseph. Uh, what he saith to, uh, to you, do. And the famine didn't just impact Egypt. The famine was over all the face of the earth. Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. 
And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Now Joseph, if you recall, interpreted the butler's dream and it came to pass. Joseph interpreted the baker's dream and it came to pass. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream and it came to pass. Uh, But what about Joseph's dream? The dreams that he had way back in Genesis 37. What happened to those dreams? Well, now... Those dreams are finally about to come to pass. When dreams come true is the title of the message tonight. And uh, we're going to kind of walk our way through this particular chapter and hopefully learn some lessons along the way. But first I want to talk, I want to mention to us the reunion of the brothers. Uh, The reunion of the brothers really takes place between verses 1 and verse number 20. And I'd like to kind of go down through that. Verse number 1 we read a moment ago. It says, when Jacob saw there was corn, uh, Jacob said to one of his sons, why do you look one upon another? They were just kind of staring at each other like, what do we do? I don't know. What should we do? I have no idea. So the dad had to kind of say, hey, what are you guys just staring at each other? Let's do something about this. And so uh, he said, hey, I've heard that there's corn in Egypt. I want you to go down and and, uh, get us some corn so that we can live. Well, verse 3 says, Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. Now, didn't he have 11 brethren? He did. But verse 4 says, Benjamin, Joseph's youngest brother, uh, Jacob, sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. Uh, Joseph's dad, uh, Jacob, said, uh, all you guys go except for Benjamin. Uh, Last time this happened, uh, I lost my youngest son. Not going to happen again. So he withholds Benjamin and uh, leaves him home, but sends the other ten to go down to Egypt. Well, verse 5 says, The sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was the governor, verse 6, over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And here it is, Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Does your mind flash back to the dreams that he had as a 17-year-old teenager? Uh, Remember he had those and he began to tell his dad and his brothers these dreams that he was having? Well, here all these years later, probably about 20 plus years after he had these dreams, there they are bowing themselves down before Joseph just like he had dreamt uh, all those years before. Well, Here, verse number 7, it says, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them. So he had recognized them. He probably heard their, they probably looked a lot different. Of course, 20 years makes you look a lot different. I wouldn't know, because I look the same as I did when I was first married. Uh, For those who saw the picture of me on Facebook, um, I do kind of look a little different. My wife looks better than she did back in those days. Uh, But... Anyway, we, people do change over 20 years, and, and yet Joseph knew that these were his brothers. He knew them, but uh, he made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And here verse 8 uh, repeats it. Joseph knew his brethren, but they uh, knew not him. And verse number 9 is an interesting verse. And Joseph immediately, as he sees his brothers there bowing down before him, Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. 
And so his mind just kind of did a flashback all at once. And no doubt it was very overwhelming. And no doubt for it was difficult for him to kind of stay in the character uh, because he could understand everything, but he did speak to them through an interpreter. He had learned the language of the Egyptians, and uh, they had to kind of communicate through a translator. But uh, Joseph really didn't need to because he knew their language too. Uh, but uh, in order to kind of stay incognito, he continued on with the, uh, the interpreter. Well, verse number 10 or 9, he says, uh, I, I remembered all these dreams. And then he says, Ye are spies. To see the nakedness of the land are ye come. And they, they said, no, 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 we're here to buy food. And that's why we're here. Verse 11, we're all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. It is interesting that um, this whole spies thing comes up because uh, back when Joseph was in Jacob's household, uh, Joseph kind of did somewhat spy against um, these brothers, and I'm sure that they probably called him a spy many, many times. Oh, you're just spying uh, on us and making sure that we're not getting into trouble or whatever. And uh, now he calls them uh, spies. And he does so a couple times here, I think three different times in this passage. But uh, verse number 12, he said to them, No, no, you're come to see the nakedness of the land. That's why you're here. They said, No, the servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And I imagine as they said that, he thought, I'm that one who is not. But I actually am. <laughs> uh, I am here. Joseph said unto them, That it is I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. He kept kind of pushing this. You're spies, you're spies. Trying to, uh, I don't know, provoke them or uh, to uh, figure out who they really, why they really came. Well, verse 15, Hereby shall ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go forth hence except your youngest brother come hither. I want to see my youngest brother, really, is what he wanted to see. So verse 16, send one of you and let him fetch your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So here in verse 16, he says, all right, here's the plan. We're going to keep nine of you here. I'm going to put you in prison. Keep nine of you in prison and one of you, I'm going to go, uh, you're going to go fetch your um, your younger brother and bring him to, to me. Well, verse 17, uh, he put them all together into ward three days. So all of them spent three days in prison. Joseph said unto them, The third day this do and live, for I fear God. Again, he's saying all this to them, and this all communication is going through an interpreter. Um, this do and live, for I fear God. And I, I kind of wonder if he was giving them a little bit of a hint as to who he was. Uh, I kind of wonder if he was giving them a little clue, like, I fear God. Hint, hint. Uh, like, I'm, I'm somebody you actually might know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was kind of rare, I suppose, or I, I believe it was very rare to run into a God-fearing person in Egypt at that time. And so I think that this was somewhat of a clue that hey, this is just not an ordinary Egyptian. This is maybe somebody that we may have a connection to. Yeah, you do have a connection to this guy. 
Well, verse number 19, if ye be true men, so he's kind of testing him here, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for uh, the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. Uh, so anyone, basically he ended up keeping, and we'll continue on with the, with the passage, but he ended up keeping one of, their, one of the sons, one of his brothers there, uh, Simeon, and then sent the other nine to go back to dad and uh, retrieve uh, Benjamin and bring Benjamin back to Egypt. So that's the reunion of the brethren, uh, of the brothers, and uh, this must have been an emotional situation. I mean, he was just kind of doing his job. He kind of clocked in and, and uh, did what he was normally did every day, Joseph did. But then all of a sudden, these, these ten guys come in, and he, he happens to recognize them. And uh, just an amazing, an amazing situation that took place. But then we uh, come to not only the reunion of the brothers, but now we come to the regret of the brothers. In verse number 21... So as he basically tells them the plan, you're, we're going to keep one here as kind of ransom. You're going to go uh, back to Canaan, go get your brother, and then come on back. Well, here's verse 21. And they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Reuben answered and said, answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against this child, and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. So evidently, as this was all happening, all of a sudden the guilt that they had been carrying for twenty years came to kind of a uh, came to a head, and it was becoming very real in their heart and. And uh, they had tried to suppress it all these years, but now with this particular situation uh, that came up, it drew it out. And uh, the reminder for all of us this evening is that sin will all, always find us out. Uh, after 20 plus years, the guilt that these brothers carried never fully went away. Oh, I'm sure there was a lot of days they forgot about Joseph and kind of went on their way and lived their lives, but... I'm sure maybe when they went to sleep and it was just them and the Lord and they were trying to fall asleep, I'm sure there were moments where that guilt came and Joseph was on their mind and on their heart. Somehow they, they link their bad treatment that they were now receiving from Joseph by being put into prison and by uh, being treated the way they were uh, to how they treated their brother 20 years earlier. Now 20 years is a long time to carry around guilt. And uh, time might callous things over, but it doesn't erase guilt or lift guilty the guilty conscience it produces. My question to all of us tonight, are there, are there some things in your past that need to be dealt with? Maybe some guilt that you've been carrying for 20 years, maybe even longer. Is there some guilt that you have been carrying like Joseph's brothers were? Uh, maybe tonight this is the Lord's way of kind of waking you up and saying you need to deal with that particular guilt. You need to deal with, with that. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse number 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them 
shall have mercy. A lot of times we like to try to cover our sins with something called time. We think, hey, as long, if enough time goes by, then I'll feel better about it. And I think that probably Joseph's brother uh, felt that way. They think, hey, as long as just enough time goes, we'll, we've kind of lost him and we'll just forget about it and we'll, we'll be able to move on with our lives. No, I, I think it was in many ways eating them up inside. And, and it's going to continue to eat you up too until you deal with it. You know, guilt is a gift of the Lord that brings us to repentance and restoration. I know that there's some, uh, I want to say, I don't want to say pastors, but, uh, but people maybe online who, who talk about how we shouldn't walk around in guilt and you shouldn't be guilty. Uh, God doesn't want us to have guilt, but he, but he puts it in our lives to bring us to a place of repentance, to a place where we get things dealt with and get things right. David uh, had tremendous guilt over his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. I want to show you a passage of Scripture that explains what maybe you might be feeling even in your own life with the things that you did in the past that maybe you've never dealt with. Uh, Maybe you can relate to this. Psalm 32, if you would. Um, I want to just show this to you. I could quote it, but I think it's uh, a little better if you can see it for yourself as well. Psalm 32. We're just going to look at the first five verses of this. Again, David here is the uh, human author, and and the reason for Psalm 32 is because he's he's writing after he repented. He's he's writing this after he gets right with the Lord and uh, deals with his sin instead of just constantly covering it up and hoping that uh, maybe I need to do one more thing to try to uh, tie that loose end up so that I don't get caught. See, he kept trying to do that, didn't he? He kept trying to figure out how to uh, manipulate different situations so that he would not get caught. Well, of course, you can't can't hide anything from God. And uh, try as you might, God knows what we did and what what David did and what, what I do. But uh, Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, He was basically just saying, it feels so good to have this dealt with and to have this dumb guilt off my back. I was tired of carrying it, and it is so good to have this dealt with. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed, verse 2, is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. He said, it's good to be right with God. It feels so good to not have this guilt on my heart anymore. And then he explains what it was like to have this guilt in verses 3 and 4. He said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. He said, when I just kept this quiet and kept trying to hide it and kept trying to cover it up, it, it just, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. And then verse 4, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Like every day and every night, I just kind of felt this heavy hand of guilt on my heart. My moisture is uh, turned into the drought of summer, Selah. 
He said, I didn't have any real joy. I was just all dried up. Well, then verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. In mine iniquity have I not hid. I just came clean. I put it all out on the table. I didn't hide anything and hold anything back. I, I just put it all out there and was completely honest with what I did. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. David said, man, it is blessed to be forgiven. It is blessed to have this off my mind and off my heart now. I'm done. I can move on. Joseph's brothers had the opportunity to do that, and they had been carrying around sin and this guilt in their lives for so long, and it was now time to deal with it, and they're going to deal with it here eventually. But I want to encourage you, my friend, if you have been carrying around guilt for something that you did, maybe only you and God are the only ones who know you did it. Stop carrying it around. Deal with it. Deal with it soon. Don't just procrastinate and push the snooze button on this one. Deal with it because you don't want to keep going. You'll be so glad once you deal with it like David did. Um, and uh, as he commented in Psalm 32. So back to our story in uh, Genesis 42, back to our passage here. Uh, verse 22, Reuben answered them saying, Hey, I, didn't I tell you not to sin against a child and you wouldn't hear, you wouldn't listen to me? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And verse 23, and they knew not that Joseph understood them, and he understood every word that they were saying, because he spake to them by an interpreter. And verse 24, he turned himself about from them and wept. When he heard them saying this, I mean, it just, the flood of emotion came all over him, and he had to leave the room, and he had to go and have some private time of weeping because... I imagine he carried around, uh, I don't know about bitterness, but he had been hurt in a bad way. And to hear them say that uh, we are very guilty concerning this, and they're, he, he's seeing the Lord work in their heart and in their life. So he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound them and bound him before their eyes. So the regret of the brothers. But then we see here, number three, the response of Joseph. Here's what he ends up doing here in, um, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Now, if, if you were in Joseph's sandals, I mean, what would you have chosen to do? I mean, this was a beautiful opportunity. If you were ever looking for an opportunity to get even, Stephen, with your brothers, this was the time. I mean, let's settle the score right here, right now. Let's deal with this. Uh, mano a mano, all right? And, I mean, this guy had power. He could have killed all ten of them on the spot. He had the power to do any, of, any and all of that. Um, now, are there people in your life that hurt you? I think the answer for all of us probably is yes, there have been people in our lives that have hurt us. I know maybe in some cases I've been the one that has hurt people. Um, but has there been people in your life that have hurt you? Have you, um, do you have a little 
PTSD in your own life, maybe not from war, but maybe from a relationship, maybe from uh, even, even a church situation, maybe from an employee, employer, employee situation. Has there been a time when you've been hurt? Well, seeking revenge is a fool's errand. And uh, Joseph certainly could have done that. He had the power and the opportunity to do so. I read about uh, uh, NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR. Any, any NASCAR fans in here tonight? We have a couple, three or four, okay. Not many real tall hands. There's not a lot of proud uh, NASCAR fans. But um, as 100,000 fans watched, Richard Petty ended his 45-race losing streak and picked up stock cars racing biggest purse of $73,500. And it all happened at the Daytona 500 in 1979. Petty's win, however, was a complete surprise because, you see, going into the last lap, he was running 30 seconds behind the two leaders. And all at once, the car in second place tried to pass the number one man on the final stretch. This caused the first car to drift inside and forced the challenger onto the infield grass and slightly out of control. But what happened next was incredible. The offended driver pulled his car back onto the track, caught up with the leader, forced him into the outside wall. And both vehicles came to a screeching halt. The two drivers ended up jumping out and quickly got into an old-fashioned slugging match right there at Daytona 500. In the meantime, third place Petty cruised by for the win. You see, getting even really doesn't help anything. Tokyo police recently arrested a man who was upset over being denied entrance to a graduate school 14 years ago. Since that day, get this, he has averaged about 10 phone calls a night between the hours of 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. to the former professor whom he blames for his lost opportunity. Those 14 years of annoying phone calls totaled up to over 50,000 phone calls all because he was upset and bitter and hurt. You know, bitterness, again, uh, is only going to eat you up. It's not going to hurt the other person. No, it's going to eat you up and hurt you. Hebrews 10 and verse number 30, we need to remember this truth. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Christian. Is that what the verse says? (laughs) No. So say it, the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Look, it's not our job to get even Stephen. It's our job to trust the Lord to work it all out and to make it all right, and he will. Joseph understood that while he had the opportunity to administer revenge, it was not his place to do so. God alone has that right, and friend, only the Lord has the right to settle the score, not you and I. By the way, he will do he will do so much better than we could ever do on our own. But see, this isn't how Joseph responded at all. He didn't desire revenge. Here's what he did. He sent them home with the food they purchased and extra for their journey and with the money they did not deserve. You see, ultimately, Joseph responded with grace. Let's look what it says here in verses 
picking up here in verse 25, then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn. So he's sending the nine back to Egypt or to Canaan to go get Joseph or Benjamin. There we go. Uh, so he sends them back and he gives their gives them corn uh, that they had ordered and they purchased, and to restore every man's money into his sack. So the money that they spent on the corn, he commanded his servants to go and get that money and go and put secretly into their sacks uh, and to give them provision for the way. So a little extra for their journey on the way home. And thus he did unto them. They didn't deserve the corn. They didn't deserve the money. They didn't deserve the extra provision. They didn't deserve any of that, but uh, that's grace. Well, uh, let's keep reading. Verse 26, they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he spied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. So they get to the hotel, and he gets his donkey, and he's about to give him some food for the donkey, and notices that there's, hey, there's some money in here. This is the money that we use to buy the corn. Why in the world is this in here? And so, verse 28, he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? By the way, uh, one commentator pointed out that this is the first time the brothers had used the word God in their vocabulary. Uh, Interesting that it has taken them that long to use the Lord's name in a positive light, or any light at all. Uh, And so... Here, Joseph responded with grace. He could have gotten even. He could have uh, dealt with them very harshly, but instead he gives them what they ordered, plus he gave them a refund, and he gave them extra because he loved them and and, uh, he wanted to bless them. Now, what a picture of Christ. You see, you and I, we're all the brothers, aren't we? We're the ones who committed great sin against the Lord. We're guilty of great and terrible sin. When we realize we're lost without his, without his help, instead of administering revenge and justice on us, He gives us what we ask for, and then some. His grace is greater than all our sin. So Joseph, again, is always uh, a very amazing picture and, and type of Christ here. And, and, and we're a picture of the, uh, the brothers, because we have offended the Lord, and we have sinned against Him, and yet when we come to Him and say, uh, we have sinned and we have wronged, He doesn't seek revenge and, and uh, get even with us, though He could and has the power to do so. That's not how God treats us, though, is it? He treats us with tremendous grace. He gives us what we ask for, and then uh, more than that, He gives us uh, blessings that are uh, beyond compare and, and abundant. His grace is greater than all our sin. And then we come to number four in, in this chapter here, the reluctance of Jacob, and, uh, and uh, we're nearly done here. And I know you're, you're thinking cake, and I am too, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll move quickly through this. But verse 29 uh, says, And they came to Jacob, they made their way finally to Canaan. They finally got to Jacob, their father, under the land of Canaan, and told him all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land, spake roughly to us, took us for spies of the country. We said unto him, we're we're, we're true men, we're no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father, one is not. 
and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Go ahead and leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone. Bring your youngest brother unto me, and then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you, your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land. So they basically come home and report to dad all that took place and, and the plan that's set. And he said, the reason that Simeon's not with us, well, he's back in Egypt, and uh, here's why. So they explain all that. And then verse 35, and it came to pass as they emptied their sacks, that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when, they, when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And uh, I've always kind of been a little curious about why all this happened, but I really do believe that that Joseph, uh, this was an act of grace, this was an act of kindness and love towards his brothers and his family, saying, look, uh, all that money that you spent on that corn, it's on the house. Uh, this corn here, it's, it's for you, it's because I love you, and I love your family, and I love my family. Uh, well, verse 36, Jacob their father said unto them, May, Me have ye bereaved of my children, Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away, and all these things are against me. Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee. So Reuben here volunteers uh, his two boys and said, Hey, you can slay my two sons. If uh, I don't deliver Simeon to you, then you can kill my two sons. Verse 38, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him, uh, by the way in the which ye go, then ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. And so Jacob was very reluctant uh, and basically did not agree to send uh, Benjamin down to Egypt. Now Jacob, who is ever the manipulator, always wanting to be in control, still wanting to be large and in charge, wasn't willing to let Benjamin go to Joseph. I really believe he was overprotective and paranoid. He was living in fear instead of faith. He took God out of the equation. Now, I know that he had been hurt before, and he was trying not to be hurt again. At the beginning of chapter 42, we learn that he didn't want to send Benjamin down because he was like, hey, if I I lost Joseph, I'm not going to lose my youngest again. I'm not going there again. But again, he is taking God out of the equation, and we need to be careful that uh, we don't operate in fear, but instead we operate in faith. Uh, Psalm 46, verses 1 and 3, um, says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Like, I'm not going to fear because it doesn't matter what happens because God is my refuge and strength. And that's what Jacob needed to realize. Instead of operating just in this uh, fear mentality and and uh, all we see kind of going around on the news and stuff is kind of meant to incite fear in our hearts and lives. Well, God doesn't want us to live by fear. He wants to live us live by faith. And uh, He's given us um, a mind of, of sound mind and a power and of love and a sound mind, right? He didn't give us a spirit of fear. Uh, but Joseph, or Jacob, I'm sorry, Jacob here continues to 
uh, live by sight and says, I don't want to lose my son. Now, I can understand that. I mean, this isn't just like, okay, well, it's another vehicle that, you know, don't, don't crash it. I'm just concerned about this getting crashed. This is, his, this is his son. And so I understand that to some degree. But still, we see him uh, living by sight and not by faith. And the encouragement for all of us is to uh, live by faith, remembering that we don't have anything to fear with God as our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So as J- uh, Joseph's dreams are, are coming to pass and are coming true, uh, a lot of this stuff is bringing some things to light. It's bringing uh, the brothers and their guilt to light. It's, it's bringing uh, Joseph's continued uh, character to light and how he treated his brothers. And it's, it's bringing also Jacob's fear to light as well. And uh, I want to just encourage us to apply the lessons that we've talked about tonight, uh, the lessons on regret. If you've got some things in your own heart and in your own life that you need to deal with, don't keep going and hoping that time will heal all wounds. Uh, We found with the brothers that 20 years doesn't heal those wounds. And uh, keep waiting, but I'm telling you, the guilt's going to continue to stay. Guilt doesn't go away and it's not erased with time. You have to go to God and deal with your sin. And He is a good God. He'll accept you. He'll run to you like He did to the prodigal son. And then the lesson of when we have an opportunity to uh, administer revenge, don't. Even though it might be tempting, even though you might have the ability to do so, don't. Refrain like Joseph did and instead show grace like the Lord does to each and every one of us who don't deserve it. And then when we're uh, faced with an opportunity to live by fear or by faith, let's choose to live by faith. God will bless when we do. He is pleased, greatly pleased when we operate by faith oversight. With that, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll conclude our service. Lord, thank you for uh, the life of Joseph and the lessons that we can learn.